What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and today we're going to be talking about the shadow and shadow work. But first, emails. So we got yes. a couple. And um, I mean, we like to respond to the emails, but sometimes, you know, when we sit on emails for a while, it's because we're really thinking about an answer, and sometimes we think it might be better to just talk about it now. So that's what we're yes. going to do. So what have we got, Gemini? So the first email I wanted to talk about um, was back when we were talking about visualization. And to be really honest with you, Scorpio, I feel dumb for not having thought of the thing that was mentioned in the email. Um, so I really wanted to share it with everybody so that they could kind of think about this as well in their practice. Um, the email basically talked about how I don't visualize in the sense that like I don't see images. I can't conjure images in my brain. And the person wrote, what if that is the way that your brain visualizes? What if, you know, if you imagine, if you close your eyes trying to imagine your husband and instead you see swirling green smoke, maybe that's the symbol for your husband that your brain uses. And that is enough to count, I'm air quoting, to count versus like the traditional view of visualization where like you close your eyes and you conjure these beautiful images. If we use so much symbolism in witchcraft, why would it be less than to use the symbol that your brain creates in this context? And I just, it was like my mind was blown listening to that. Like, oh my God, you're totally right. There is no reason that that doesn't count. And I think we get told a lot like, oh, visualization, visualization, whatever works for you works for you. So I just wanted to bring that up on the podcast because I, I didn't think about it when we were talking about it, but like, oh my God, yes, correct answer. I think one of the reasons we don't think about it is simply because everybody's used to thinking of visualization. Like you said, you close yeah. your eyes and you kind of imagine. And didn't you send me something... Um, it was like, how do you visualize? And it was like one yes. picture's crystal clear and one. And I said, probably like the most faded one. It's almost like seeing through smoke because I don't really visualize. And I don't think that we really take the time ever to talk about, well, how do you visualize? And yes. what do you visualize? And how clear is it? And what's normal for one person is not normal for somebody else. And like you said, for you, it's going to be the green smoke. And that's it. You've just done it. You've visualized. Yeah. So for those of you who are concerned about that. I know that we've we've had a couple of people reach out and be like, oh, I also have aphantasia or I also don't visualize in the traditional way. I can't believe we didn't think about this sooner. <laughs> but no. absolutely, that is how your brain visualizes and that is perfectly reasonable and acceptable for your witchcraft and you shouldn't let anybody tell you otherwise. Yeah, and what about if you really can't visualize but you have a photograph of somebody Witches do that all the time where they'll use that. They'll use a photo, yeah. they'll use an item from that person. And while you're not visualizing the way we imagine visualization, but you are because whatever intent you're putting into the photograph, the item, whatever it is, you are visualizing, and I'm doing the air quotes now, whatever it is that you need, whatever healing energy, whatever it is going toward that person, that's visualization whether we see something or not. I think that there's a... Yeah, because I mean? if we look at visualization as like textbook definition it is using a visual 
who cares yeah. where the visual comes from or what it looks like exactly. as long as the visual ho- holds the energy that you need. Right. Yeah, so that email just like truly blew my mind and I I needed to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> well, thank you one. to oh. the Thank you to the emailer. It was great. I'm so happy you sent that. And Scorpio, tell me about yours. So the one that I wanted to talk about is somebody sent us an email about what happened at Panera. How somebody was fired for being pagan. And what do we do? And, you know, I I thought about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to respond right away. And then I was like, but what is my response? You know? Yeah. What can we do? And then... I think about it. I think about that email all the time and I'm like, okay, I have to respond, but what's my response? And it's not like I don't think about what my response will be. And then finally we decided let's talk about it because this could be a thing. Well, for starters, we're Gemini and Scorpio for a reason. Yeah. Everybody knows we're teachers. Everybody knows you didn't have tenure when we started this. Yes. And we were worried. We were worried for you more than for me. Not that there's ever been a reason, not that the district that we work for has ever given us any signs that they are intolerant towards anything, but it's one of those, hey, you don't know, so why push it? You know, what's going to be the thing that is going to trigger people? And since we've never seen an example of this in the district, how do we know that it doesn't start with us? So Yeah, I did not want to be the first one. Right. So, you know, the idea of fighting back well, yes. I mean, had something happened, I think I would have been the first person to say, we're going to get litigious on this. Yeah, you absolutely would have. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going down without a fight. But what do we do? You can't always do that. Yeah. I mean, I am not, I'm very conflict averse as a person. So like, I know that I just would have been like, okay, time to find a new job go into a new district. Like I would have just been, all right, we're moving on. Um, Cause I, it's, I know for me emotionally that I just wouldn't handle that well. Yeah. Um, you know, just because I engage in confrontation or doesn't mean that I enjoy it. I mean, I know people think I enjoy yes. confronting them. No. I enjoy the release. I definitely enjoy yes. the whole okay, it's over, I said what I had to say, and now I feel better. But the idea of like, okay, now I have to go into this situation and be confrontational. No, I I give it thought before I I open my mouth. Um, And I'm also really tired. I think like a lot of people, I'm just tired of things, you know? Yeah. I'm tired of having to work twice as hard because I'm Latinx and people see me a certain way. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing um, people that I've worked with just be complete, completely incompetent and seeing bosses go, we don't know what we're going to do with this person. But I know if it was me, I'd get fired. Yeah. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. So now add to this the fact that I'm a woman, and let's face it, there's still the boys club in a lot of professions. And then add to that the fact that I'm a witch. And even if you accepted the whole role of Wiccan, um, are they going to accept some, you know, bruja, indigenous, practicing, mm-hmm. you know, brown person? Like, is that really what people would do? I don't know. But I'm It's actually of kind it. of funny because mm-hmm. when I am open with people about 
my witchiness, they automatically assume that I'm Wiccan. And yeah. then I have to be like, no, no, I'm not. Um, so it's another reason why I'm like not – I don't converse about it because I don't want to have to have what is an incredibly nuanced discussion about this sub-religion, this like less popular series of religions with a person who's like not really asking because they're interested in my religion, but just because they're like, oh, is that what you are? Like I don't want to have a PhD thesis dissertation – about this with people who don't care about it that's that's exhausting and most of the time it's just to make them feel comfortable right it's not really because they're interested in learning anything about you i don't know i'm just so what is the answer do we fight i think we have to start i think we have to start being more vocal i think we have to pick and choose our battles but i am not going to pretend that I'm not who I am. Now, I was asked this year again, like every year, are you into witchy things? A student asked me. Here's the thing. I don't particularly want to have this discussion with every single student. There are students I that I feel I a connection to. No, I mean, <laughs> some kids have asked me. I had a student, and I always say the following thing. How does your mom feel about this? I am not going to talk about something your mom doesn't want to talk about because it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with school. But when they talk to me after class and say, you know, I feel like you would understand this. I always say, what did your mom say? And they tell me, oh, you know, I talked to my mom about it. I told her about you. And she said, I should ask you. And, you know, you can tell when a kid is lying. I know students think that they get one over on us all the time. <laughs> Never. But we see it. We just decide to let you get one over on us. Or yes. we decide not to. Um, and... You know, so I said, okay. And she basically had this desire to go out into nature. And Mm -hmm. she said, I wanted to sit underneath this tree. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah, you should totally do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing, you know, so we had these conversations. But sometimes when kids ask, they ask it in such a way that I'm like, yeah, I'm repelled by you right now. And I'm not answering that question. And I will do the same thing with adults. But every once in a while, somebody asks, a student will ask, and I have not said no. If a student asks me seriously, mm-hmm. with respect, not with, oh, my God, my teacher's a witch. Like, yeah, I'll answer them. Why? Because this has to become normalized. Just like yeah. when I start school, I don't say, hi, everyone. My name is Miss Scorpio. I'll say, my name is Miss Scor- Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'll say my last name the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Right. I want them to know you're looking at a Latinx person right now. Okay, that's important for me to get across to them, right? Yeah. Um, it's important for me to get across, um, you know, that I am a normal person who happens to be a pagan. Yeah. Um, you know, and that people like this are all around you. So I do think it's important to be honest in certain situations. I don't know. You know, we hid. Do I, do I think that we, that's what we should have done? I mean, you know, it's tough. This is why I haven't been able to answer the email because it's just so tough. Like, what is a witch to do? I don't know. So one of the things that I realized is that somebody had asked me, they had asked a group of people, do you consider yourself religious? And for a very long time, I had never, I was always like, no, not really. And I realized at that moment that like, no, I, I am religious. Right? I care a lot about Hellenismos and I care a lot about that practice. And it means it's really valuable to me. 
And because of that, I don't want to talk about it with other people. And I don't mean that in like a bitchy way or in like a I don't trust people kind of way, but in the sense that it is sacred to me. And so I don't want to share that with people who might not treat it in the same sacredness, whether they're asking because they're genuinely interested or they just want to feel more comfortable. And I also think for me, I'm in a very different situation as a science teacher because I am very firm, no religion in my classroom. I don't want to leave room for, and I've had kids who come in and say, like, evolution isn't real. You know, Mm. God made man. So I can, there's no room. I cannot leave any room for any other discussions because now I've opened the door to derailing my class. Right. So, you know, when I started in the building that I was in, I was completely silent about all of my religious or, or witchcraft content. Because I didn't know the people that I was working with very well. I wasn't very close to them. I didn't trust them very much. And as I've worked there, I've been more open, but like very jokingly. I'm not I'm not coming into work and being like, yeah, I am a serious witch. I'll come in and be, oh yeah, I'm a witch. I'll hex you. Ha ha ha. Like a joke. Because for me, it has no bearing on my quality as a teacher. And I don't want to share that part of my life emotionally with most of the people that are around me, children or adults. So I'm I'm giving you the hint that there's probably something going on, but I don't I don't want to share that in a personal sense. And I don't think I don't think that you have to, as an individual, take on the community. I think the community needs to be vocal about existing. We need to keep doing like conventions and I mean like PantheaCon is over. That's, I've never been, and I was like kind of excited about going, and PantheaCon's over. We need to keep doing things that make us mainstream, but you personally don't have to do that. If that's not a thing that you're comfortable with, do whatever you can do to feel comfortable. That I think that's the most important thing, and that's why this question is impossible to answer, because some people are going to be like, I'm suing, I'm going to, you know whatever the organization is for like religious equal rights. And for some people, you're just not going to be able to do that. And you can't feel bad for putting your life first, you know? Yeah. So I got silent because when you said that, I thought about all the people out there, all the parents of black and brown children that have to tell them, have to train them how to speak to the police Mm -hmm. because of what is going on, what has always been going on. And I'm sick of that too. So yeah, I understand what you're saying about the individual, but then I think we have to do a better job as a community. Yeah. I think that if we have people that are very vocal, who are the heads of various witch organizations, then I think it's time to have some sort of witches council where we discuss, um, legal fees, legal proceedings, how are we going to be Mm -hmm. vocal? Because people shouldn't be afraid for their jobs. Yeah. Um, You know, I've also had kids talking about what they read or whatever. And I have said to them, you should listen to a podcast. And I say that because, again, I really honestly believe in not doing any harm. Yeah. And I don't know what these kids are going to read. And I don't know what they're going to get into. And that worries me. Yeah. Because 
you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, they're not my responsibility when they leave here. But if they've said something and you overhear it, then it's kind of like, all right, I can't just let you. What are you reading? Yeah. Who are you following? More importantly, who are you giving all your money to because they're promising you something? When everything is within yeah. you and you have the capability of learning about yourself and whatever tradition you want to follow without having to, you know, dole out large sums of money. Yes. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes me go, okay, you know, I'm a literature teacher. So I loved teaching Macbeth because as soon as we talk about the historical significance of Macbeth and the witches and King James the first and all that, I would pull out my, you know, Google slide and yeah. go at it. And then... Oh, and by the way, this is how they were mistaken, because witches really are, and I would go into that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I have the capability of weaving anything into my curriculum to help stamp out ignorance. Yeah. You know, whether it's about a religious group, whether it's about a cultural group, you know, the literature that you choose is, is important, you know? And there have been people who get upset when you read certain texts. So I love to approach racism through Shakespeare. No yeah. one has yet called my attention for discussing <laughs> the racism in Othello. Nobody. Right? And then from there, you can read other things. But our main text is Othello. Yeah. Even if I give you side poems and short stories and whatnot from other people, from people, black and brown authors, our main text, I always come back to Othello. Right yeah. now, we're going to read this scene, and which sounds kind of crazy, but I have heard from other people how they've had difficulty reading certain texts. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have mm-hmm. issues. Argue with the bard, right? Yeah, which um, no one will. No one will because everyone says that he's supposedly what we're supposed to be reading in school. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, if we're supposed to be reading it, I have no problem. <laughs> I'll read we'll, it. <laughs> Yeah, Will, you're going to help me open doors for other writers while we still read your text. So, yeah, there is no answer. All this is just to say there is no answer. But I feel like I think what you said is really, really important. I think that we need to find the leaders in the community that are willing to, you know, back people up to be more than just, you know, I'm over here, I'm over there. And there are some people that are pretty big. I think that more needs to be done to help others in the community who, like you said, you really can't go at this solo. So yeah. what are we going to do? I don't know. I think this is a topic we're going to come back to time and again. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much to anyone and everyone that emails us. We love reading your emails. Um, if we haven't responded to them, it's because we're thinking very long and hard about them. Um, we might even talk about them on the podcast because some of the things you guys say is just, again, mind-blowing um, yeah. and really gets us thinking. So we really appreciate it. And if you want to email us, it's witchspaceco at gmail.com. Yeah, we love the emails. This could be something we do regularly, talk about emails. It We probably should. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that we're not going to answer you, you know, especially if we talk about your email and you want to do a follow-up email, then we will definitely reach out to you personally because we don't want you to yeah. think that we're like, dis, you know, discarding the email. It's just, it's good stuff and it needs to be talked about and with more than just, yeah. you know... So, yeah, thank you. So now, dun, 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 the shadow. So what is the shadow? So excited. That is the first question. What is shadow work? So, well, first of all, what is the shadow? So it really comes from psychologist Carl Jung. 
mm-hmm. who was a disciple of Freud. And basically he talked about um, the unconscious and the parts that we disown, the parts of uh, our personalities that the ego fails to see. Mm-hmm. Right. And it basically gets failed to see because we're conditioned. Yeah. Right. The shadow is conditioned. So, uh, for example, if there is. Oh, here's something that I don't even know if people still say, but when you're a little kid and they'll say, you're not being ladylike. Yes. That's not ladylike to climb trees and to, you know, maybe be loud. Mm-hmm. Right. So what happens is that you start to condition this quote unquote, quote, fault in your personality as not being ladylike. So you overcompensate, right? You want to please. So -hmm. you make sure, you know what? I really want to climb that tree because that would be a lot of fun. Um, But I'm not going to because that's not ladylike. Or you know what? I should be quiet and let them speak because if I'm too loud, I'm not going to be ladylike. Mm -hmm. So that starts to become that part of your personality that has been perceived as negative. Doesn't necessarily have to be a negative. And I think that's one of the things that people think, they think, well, shadow work. So that means it's negative, you know, whatever's bad about me. But ask yourself, what does bad mean? Right? Um, If you want to go out into the street with a knife and stab people, yeah, that's bad. But that's not even your shadow at that point. There's something else going on with you. Yeah, that's a bigger problem. Exactly. So what are the things that we think are bad? And why do we think they're bad, right? Um, the shadow grows from contact that we have with others when we're kids. Yeah. And we try not to engage the shadow because if we engage the shadow, it's going to get bigger. Or if we try to think about the shadow, we're going to get all upset. So, you know, shadow work is really coming into acknowledging, the acknowledgement of yeah. what is there and then deciding what you want to do with it, you know? Yeah, I think that's a perfect explanation. Oh, cool. I was just waiting to see what you were going to say. I felt like I talked too much. No. I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast thinks that you talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so our subconscious mind is the shadow. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I love Jung. I don't know if anybody can tell from this, but I do love Jung and his whole creation of the, well, not creation, but his study and discussion of the archetypes. Yeah. Because um, that goes into literature and, you know, was also a psych major. So this gives me a chance so, to talk about things I haven't talked about in a long time. I had, I have this question that I wanted to talk about later, but I actually want to talk about it now because I feel like it's, so one of the things that I noticed when I was looking into shadow work to talk about this on the podcast is that a lot of these shadow work concepts come from what is basically now discredited psychology, Mm -hmm. right? Jung is no longer used really in psychological practice. Freud is no longer used his dream work in psychological practice. So how do we reconcile as witches and as spiritual people the use of these practices that are basically considered no longer valid in the scientific practice Right. And what is the value of bringing them into our practice if they are quote unquote wrong? 
Because, bitch, it's what we do. Think about everything that witches do. We just take from things that nobody wants to deal with or look at anymore. And we're like, this is totally valid. Look, I don't think that witches are going to take young verbatim. But I don't think that his stuff is totally wrong. Just like Margaret Murray. When we talked about Margaret Murray, how she really wasn't an archaeologist. And she didn't. Yeah. Really, but there's still value in some of the things. I think that's what critical thinking and critical reading is all about, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We can't deny that there are certain archetypes. I mean, the Bible pretty much set up the archetypes that we are going to see throughout literature. Yeah. Get me started with that because we can just pull out anything from everything that I teach, right? Let Um, us know if you want to hear a podcast specifically dedicated to Scorpio (laughs) explaining the archetypes in the Bible (laughs) because I kind of want it. Oh, God. When I used to teach AP, That'd be lit, really it was funny. so much fun. It was so much fun. You know what was really funny? So what did we read? I'm trying to think. Oh, so we read Antigone. I love Antigone. And wait a minute. And one of my students one year goes, ah, this is the Christ figure. And I stopped. And I just went, really? Continue. Keep going. And they were explaining everything. And halfway through, another student went, stop talking. And they were like, why? And they're like, do you understand that Christ wasn't a thing? In (laughs) We're talking B, C. Listen, I was laughing so hard. And the student went, oh, my God. And I went, no, this is actually a great conversation because it tells us these archetypes are older than the Bible. Right? Yeah. Bible's just a book. So let's talk about the Christ figure and what that really is. Let's get rid of the word Christ and let's talk about, right? So go ahead. All of a sudden your I face is talk- telling me. Oh my God, because the Christ figure, when I think about specifically Greek, it's Dionysus. Thank you. Dionysus Thank you. is the Christ figure. We have yes. to do this. We have to do this. We're doing this podcast. I don't care. I don't care. What, We're doing a, it. A, I'm putting a, it on the list. A Bible archetypes Bible? And, and yeah. Because they are Greek. I mean, this is the thing that people don't get. But I love that my students, because I said to him, you're not wrong. You're making a very valuable understanding here of what is happening in the Bible. Okay. And that it was written by people who were learned people. And what were they reading? Right? The Greeks. Absolutely. So, yeah. I have no idea why we're here now. What are we talking oh, about? Oh, we're here because we're discussing the fact that shadow work oh. is discredited psychology. <laughs> okay. I'm like, why did I start talking about the Bible? So, okay, so archetypes are a thing. And that's one of Young's uh, um, big things, contributions, besides, you know, shadow work. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that read into it, right? When you're looking at anything that's discredited, whether it's something like an archaeologist or something like a psychologist, they were also the building blocks for what came after. So it's about reading it, understanding, first of all, you should understand why we don't follow this anymore, but then see what's there and what were they looking at yeah. to come to this understanding. And I think you'll see a lot of comparisons or it'll make sense when you look at some of the mythology that we as pagans have read, you know, no matter what tradition we're a part of. I think that shadow work the way that i conceptualize it is about like bettering yourself air quotes not in the sense that there's like a quality in yourself that you can improve but like deepening Mm -hmm. your understanding of yourself and how you think and so for me 
yeah, is it, you know, oh, okay, it's a discredited psychological concept, but does it help you? Right. Right. Do the archetypes help? Does sitting with how each archetype reflects into your own life help? Because if it does, who cares? Yeah. Um, When I was part of my shadow when I was growing up was I was the baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like just period. Okay. My father is one of 16 kids and he's one of the youngest ones. So of course the children like out of the first cousins, there's only one first cousin that's younger than me. Right. So. And how dare she? Listen, (laughs) when her, when my aunt got pregnant, my other cousin and I were like, what is going on? Because we were the same age. Right, we're the yeah. same age, and we were like inseparable when I was little. And I'm like, okay, this new kid, like this new kid's got to go. Like we didn't want to kill her, but we were just like we could give her away to somebody. Like <laughs> this kid doesn't belong here because it's about us, right? There's like a sign outside your house that's like free baby to a good home. <laughs> and hopefully she's not listening to this going. Oh, they're talking about me. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was always told by my family that I was selfish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, stop being so selfish. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't revolve around you. You're being selfish. So for a really long time, I tried to look at that as like, this is a really bad thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to be selfless. And I have to be honest. I think that's why I was married to my first husband for so freaking long because mm-hmm. I was trying to be selfless. Like, okay, you know, there must be some, there's something wrong with me because I can't, I, I I mistook selfish for being somebody who had lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's something that I had to work on and realize, wait a minute, I have tons of empathy for people. I have tons of sympathy for some people. I have tons of empathy for other people. But for me, reclaiming and working through what it is to be selfish, I realized what it is to be selfish is to say, I am allowed to take up as much damn room as I want. I am allowed... Yeah. To say at a certain point, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't mean my life. I mean, like, I'm going out with people. I'm allowed to say, guys, this has been great. Love you. Mwah, mwah. I'm going home. Why? Because I freaking feel like it. You know, like, why do we have to be? Because here's the thing. If if I'm hanging out with you and my social battery drains, for me to force it, um, I don't think you're going to get much out of being with me either. You're probably going to be like, oh, she's kind of boring. Like, what's going on? Like, I don't know if I want to hang out yeah. with Scorpio. But the fact that I leave when I'm still in a high, when I'm noticing that the battery's gone from 100 to 98, and I go, oop, it's going to start draining. All right, bye. Mm-hmm. Then you know what? You love me. Because you've never seen me at a point where That's I am true. like, I've had enough of you. You know? Um, so, and it's the same thing. With how I dress, it's the same thing with um, when I speak up. It's, yeah, you know what? If I'm selfish, I can be a better friend. Yeah. You know, I can be a better wife, a better daughter, a better whatever, a better teacher. You know, I would let kids pre-COVID, we talked about this, just let come into my room and I would Mm -hmm. be exhausted because I have papers to grade, I have things to do, and they just need to talk to me. And it's so much better now because when the, I do speak to them, I am so on. I am so ready to hear mm-hmm. what they have to say. You got to be selfish. Does yeah. everybody have to be selfish? No. But that's part of who I am. Yeah, I was raised where I got pretty much anything I want as far as my parents' attention, as far as mm-hmm. whatever. 
So I grew up in a selfish way, but I wasn't brought up selfish with no values. So instead of being told I was selfish, they should have told me, you're really aware of your boundaries. And that's good. Yes. While still teaching me empathy. Yes. But they should have said, that's, wow, you really got your boundaries set. Good for you. Instead of saying that, they were saying, you're selfish. So I think that's what you're taking notes. (laughs) For my future children. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that's what shadow work does. It makes you confront these things that are icky. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I hate if somebody says to me, you're selfish. It just makes me feel so bad, you know? Or um, my whole life, people have always said, you think that you're the, the center of the universe. And I'm like, because I am. Like I, And I would say that jokingly, yes. that I would feel bad. And now I say it and go, well, you're here, aren't you? So you must want to be around yeah. me. So you've just proven me right. Um, and I take no, I'm not, I don't feel bad about it at all. I said it. I meant it. Deal with it. You don't have to be around me. I'm not pulling you in. I'm not forcing you to hang out with me. But if you're here, yes, I'm special. Yes, I'm the one who, when we go out to eat, has to sit in front of the mirror so I can look at myself. Correct. There we go. It's the Leo rising. Probably. So what about you? Is there any shadow? Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Is there any shadow? (laughs) Okay. I was neurodivergent as a kid. There's a lot of shadow. I mean, I'm still neurodivergent. That's that. That's how that works. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, for me, sometimes I think about the way that I talk about shadow work and I have to like take a step back because I think probably some people like should go to therapy. Um, probably everybody should go to therapy at some yeah. point. I think it's great. But I really use my shadow work as therapy. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So like I... I know that there are certain things about me that are my shadow. Um, If we're thinking about like words specifically that trigger, being told that I'm annoying is like the biggest trigger of my shadow because I didn't know how to regulate my, my volume as a kid. I didn't know how to regulate a lot about myself as a child. And I would be told, you're too much, you're annoying. You know, I was bothersome to people. And so that is something that I'm constantly working through, even to this day. Um, I'm much better at it. Like at this point, I kind of do the same thing that you do where I'm like, yeah, I'm annoying. So what? Right? You obviously don't think I'm that annoying because you hang out with me. So double middle fingers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for me, it really, I started doing shadow work to deal with past relationships um, and to really kind of try to unpack what had been absorbed into my shadow because of those relationships. Um, And I, I talk about like, you know, using tarot for shadow work. For me, it was about relating to those archetypes, relating to the traditional images of tarot and figuring out what they bring up, what negative feelings am I experiencing? And then what does that mean? And I, I think it's so valuable. Like, I I don't know if, I don't know if it would work for everybody. And I don't know if maybe I'm just doing what a therapist would be doing. But for me to be able to sit down and be like, okay, why do I relate so strongly to the Three of Swords? Right? Mm-hmm. Why is that card 
why does it resonate so strongly with me? Why do I resonate with the swords in general so strongly? Um, why does this idea of the Ten of Swords, that hitting rock bottom, but being able to climb up again, resonate so strongly with me? And that was a really powerful thing to be able to be like, okay, well, because of feeling betrayed, because of feeling like you've lessened yourself for other people, because of X, Y, and Z. And then, all right, let's look at, you know, the the Empress who is fully embodying her womanhood or the Hermit. You know, when do you retreat from other people? Why do you retreat from other people? That gave me a context about myself that makes me, realistically, less annoying. <laughs> um, less annoying to myself, though. You know, I'm still very annoying to other people. I'm incredibly loud and I say shit that comes to my head immediately without thinking about it. But I'm less annoying to myself because... I know myself better and I love myself more and I understand myself in a way that I didn't get prior to doing all of this. Yeah. And I think just as important as looking at cards that you don't like, that yeah. upset you, that you, you don't even want, and not just because of what they mean, but just certain cards where you go, yeah, no, I really don't want this to ever come up. Why? Right? I think that one of the things about the cards, no matter what tradition it is, they're, they're archetypes, right? They yeah. are there because they are prevalent in people, period. So if there's one that you really are like, oh, why does this have to come up all the time? You have to ask yourself, well, what is it about this card or what this card mm -hmm. means that you don't want to come up because you don't want to think about and give yourself yeah. time to think about it, you know? Um, it's not easy, but I think that once you do it, I think it's... It's enlightening. I think it helps. I think you're right. I think it's therapy. Yeah. It definitely is. I would love one day in the future, I think it would be cool to integrate that. I think it would be cool to be like a therapist who also uses spiritual tools, right? Wow. Not me like personally yeah. necessarily, but like in therapy as a whole. Like I don't think that it is inappropriate to yeah. incorporate tools like this, especially when you think of like child therapists use toys all the time, right? They, they have toys that like, oh, which, which toy a kid picks up will tell me something or like play in the sandbox and what you build will tell me something. Why yeah. not do that with adults? Yeah. Why not? I have a problem with therapy. Um. <laughs> I mean, ditto. Do we want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a I deep love it. dive. So... And I've been in and out of therapy for different things. Here's the thing. I have never had a therapist that wasn't white. I have never had a therapist that wasn't part of the major religions of the world. Mm -hmm. I have not had a therapist where I can just speak. And I know that's part of therapy. But I know mm -hmm. there are things that I have to hold back because... If I don't, because I have heard my therapist say, you know, I'm not racist. And it's like, I am not attacking you. I am trying to discuss yeah. discuss what is happening in society and my role in it. So the minute that you feel attacked, mm -hmm. I have to back off because this is not going to go anywhere. Because I also recognize that you're a human being with your own shadow work to do. 
And yeah. this might be a trigger. And I'm let me just talk about other aspects. So when I say I'm getting kind of tired of things, I'm getting tired of a lot of things, you know, having yeah. to tell my last therapist that I was pagan, you know, was interesting. And I'm kind of tired of it. I'm kind of tired of having to explain who I am, why I exist. Like, yeah, the therapist, yeah. there has to be a better job of getting all types of therapists, all types of people represented in the therapist community because it's a... Uh, it's kind of draining. And That's I think it's tough because the, I, everybody tells you, oh, you might have to shop around. You know, you're not no. going to, you might not. That's exhausting. I don't want to have to shop around for a person that I'm going to pay to listen to me complain about my problems. Right? Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be worried that I'm going to go into a therapist's office and they're going to say something that triggers me. That's, right. it defeats the purpose of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think that talk therapy is very valuable. I think yes. that there is something incredibly valuable in knowing that a person legally cannot snitch on you unless you're going to do harm to yourself or others. Right. Right? I think that for those of us, like Gemini and Scorpio, who might have a smidge of trust issues, that can be very valuable. Yeah. Right? That could be super nice. But... There's a lot, there's a big hurdle to overcome to get to a therapist that you feel comfortable with, that you feel like you could like go long term with. It's like dating only worse because you're paying the other person. Yeah. So is this like mental prostitution? I mean, like a little bit, (laughs) A, a little bit. This is, and of course I'm specifically talking about talk therapy because I have no context for any other kinds of therapy. Right, Um, right. Yeah, talk therapy. Because, like, I, I've read about um, people of color having tr- having difficulty personally with, like, DBT or CBT, um, mm-hmm. dialectical behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, because it's, like, the premise of this therapy is to train your mind to think a certain way, to, like, be less upset about things. But when you're upset about systemic problems, right. that's not a thing you can, like, train away. Right. <laughs> that's sh- or the world you, you live in. Right. Or should you yeah. train it away? That's that's the opposite of what we need to be doing. Yeah. It gives very sunken place vibes. Now we're talking about therapy instead of shadow work. I, I like that this, this podcast has gone everywhere, but it's good. But I think <laughs> that shadow work is spiritual therapy. Yeah. And, you know, therapy can, you can work out your shadow work in traditional therapy as well. Yes. You know, yes. Um, but you have to identify what they are and you have to figure out. So what if you don't want to go to a therapist? What if you just want to handle this, you know, good old fashioned, which way? Journaling. Yeah. A very important tool, being able to self-reflect. I think that I don't think shadow work works unless you can look in the mirror and admit that you are incorrect. Right. If you can't deal with being wrong about things you're not going to get anything from it because sometimes shadow work will tell you, Hey, this, this belief that you've held is wrong, right? Believing that you shouldn't be selfish is wrong. Right. And you need to unpack that. So if you can't look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I've been wrong about things. Sorry, buddy. You're not going to learn anything. You're just going to validate the stuff you already think. Yeah. And I think before you can even get to it's wrong, you have to unpack the definition of whatever it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. when you say, well, what's something that triggers me? I hate it when people say that I'm selfish, right? Yeah. So I have to unpack, well, what's the definition of selfish? Why is it that it bothers me, you know? 
Um, who has told me in my life that I was selfish? So it really is kind of like a series of questions that you have to be willing to answer. And if you yes. can't answer it, that's cool too. Like leaving it blank. Like if all of a sudden you're like, who's told you you were selfish? You're like, well, nobody. No, not nobody. Just let it hang. Let it hang. Come back yeah. to it. Right? Meditate over it. Right? Um, it doesn't come from out of the blue. You yes. have been trained Right, somewhere in your subconscious, you know that whatever blank is, is like you said, it's wrong. Right? Yeah. Quote unquote wrong. Somebody says it's wrong. Yeah. Society might say it's wrong. And you have to unpack that and go, okay, wait a minute. Why is this wrong? Right. Yeah. So you really have to find a new definition, a new way of addressing this so you can figure out for yourself how much of it works. Yes. Right? Works for you. I don't think there's any right way to deal with your shadow self, but I think not dealing with it ever. And you may not get to everything, right? It's not meant to be a list that you check off. Yeah. Yeah. But I think not working on it ever is definitely going to be detrimental to your growth. And I don't just mean as a witch or a spiritual person. I mean, just in daily day life. You know, as a person who is hypothetically thinking about maybe having a child in the future, Shadow she work said becomes... it on the podcast. She said it on the podcast. <laughs> Hypothetically thinking about it. Oh. As a person in that category, shadow work has become so much more important to me because I don't want to pass parts of my shadow onto a hypothetical future child. Right. So working on yourself is going to help that. Yeah. At least being aware of it so that when these situations arise that maybe would have been upsetting to me i can take a step back and be like all right i don't want i don't want this to affect this developing human being right well you also have to realize that we're not perfect so something's gonna mess the kid up you know what i mean i don't i don't want to think about it (laughs) no but i mean i think having these tools and being able to talk to the child about possible shadows you know i think that's that could be really healthy probably, you know, like yeah. to just talk to the kid about stuff like that. So I think it's about being honest when you have a kid and, and letting the child know that it's a process and that they're growing. Yeah. So, you know, and boundaries. I mean, that's. I wrote that's down boundaries. Too. I took that note. Yeah. I, I, I will say this for people who have just heard what she said. So the whole point is for her to have a Scorpio baby. So I will set up a P.O. box um, in January so that people will send um, all kinds of fertility spells for February so that we have a Scorpio child. Um, So now that she's said it on the podcast, I can say this. I was just going to be doing this on my own. But, you know, so basically she's too busy now. She really shouldn't be thinking about getting pregnant right now. But, you know, February next year would probably be a great time. So yeah, flowers, candies, anything, you know, any kind of aphrodisiacs that you know of. Um, and if you know of any spells for a, a girl child, just kidding. As long as it's a Scorpio, nobody cares. Um, so I'm going to just completely go back to the, the subject yes. of the podcast and just totally, I have a yeah. somewhat spicy take. I think it's a spicy take that's actually like a lukewarm take. Like people should agree with me, but I don't know if they're all going to. Okay. Um. Your mental health problems are not an excuse for you to treat people like shit. And regardless of your diagnosis, you still have to try your best to be a decent human being. Yeah. 
So if you have a problem with that, maybe you should do some shadow work to figure out how to be a decent human being. Yeah, I agree. I... This is especially a problem on TikTok because TikTok is populated by 14-year-olds and it's like Tumblr all over again and it is exhausting. But um, I don't have a problem with romanticizing mental illness. I think like if you need to romanticize mental illness to like live your life, go for it. But as a person who like has ADHD and has had depression and anxiety in the past, I cannot use those things against other people. If somebody comes to me and says, hey you like lashed out at me when you were anxious and it made me feel really upset. I don't get to say, oh, well, I was anxious. So like, it, it's not, right. you have to apologize for these things. Whether or not you want to like make yourself feel better about your issues, whatever your shadow is, you still have to accept the consequences of the actions that follow from that. And if you don't like the consequences, figure out how to fix the actions that led there. Okay, I really like that. Whether that is traditional therapy or shadow work or whatever, but like, I don't want to coddle people. And I don't mean that in the sense that like, oh, you shouldn't be nice. You gotta, you know, tough love. No, you just have to be aware that your actions have consequences in every single context, whether you're doing a spell, whether you're just talking to a person, living your life, your actions have consequences and you need to be able to accept the consequences of those actions, regardless of what's going on inside. Yeah, and, you know, I think we need to add that if your mental health is suffering, you should seek out the help of a a professional before you even do shadow work. Absolutely. Um, This can be very triggering for people. So we're by no means trying to give you medical advice or psychological advice or anything like that. You know, shadow work is something that is done usually when you are when you're ready, when you feel like you're strong enough to to deal mm-hmm. with shadow work. And again, if you're not sure, you should seek out the help of a professional before you attempt to do this stuff, you know? Absolutely. And this time a professional is not a witch we're talking about. Well, they could be <laughs> like a witch, an, but we're talking about a licensed therapist, doctor. they should also doctor. be, yeah. 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 Someone with the skills to deal with these problems. And I think that that's something, like as teachers – we kind of are on the opposite end of is because so often we're told social emotional learning, social emotional learning. You got to take care of the the social emotional kid, but like I'm not qualified. Thank I you. don't have the skill set to do that. That's not my job. Yeah. I am going to do more harm than good if I try to help these children with their emotional issues. Like in the same way that shadow work is not going to help you if you need more intensive therapy. If you're just like, hey, you know, I've accepted that I have these problems and I want to work it out myself totally. But like, if you're in an active mental crisis, shadow work's not going to help you and it's probably going to make it worse. Right. I feel like the school psychologist where I work, one of them is trying to figure me out because they (laughs) always ask me these weird questions and they found out that I got divorced. It was like, they followed me from a faculty meeting to ask me questions about it. And it's like, oh, you're dealing with this really well. And I'm like, what is it about me? Do you do this to all the teachers? Like, why do you feel like me? Like, why That's are you trying so to weird. give me therapist? Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very bizarre. Yeah, he found me last week. And I was just kind of like, oh, there he is. Come at me. Cl- I'm going to ask you? some questions about that off the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is, is that this whole situation is kind of like the conversation we had about 
at like being at work, whether or not you're out or how you, there's no right answer to shadow work. Yeah. You have to do what's comfortable for you and what makes you feel better. Don't keep doing shadow work if it only makes you feel like shit all the time, right? If you're constantly feeling bad about yourself and, and being put down by your shadow work, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. You don't deserve to live like that. But here's the thing. I think that when it comes to the witch community, we feel that there are certain certain terms and there are certain things that people feel they have to do. So they yes. go at it. And th- that's that's one of the problems, I think, is that we don't have to do anything, right? We have to follow our path, whatever Preach. that is. Um, but, you know, this is going to sound like a commercial. Nobody has paid us to do this, but I do want to talk about something. And that is Monica Bordirsky's Shadowland tarot deck. Yes. Okay. She has spent a lot of, first of all, she's a fantastic artist. If you don't own her Lenormand deck or her tarot deck, you're missing out, especially if you're like me and you like things on the dark and creepy side, but like cute, dark and creepy. Yes. Like if you like Nightmare Before Christmas, you're going to love her stuff. Absolutely. Right. It's not Disney-esque. It's very cool. Um, So not only does she have the tarot deck, but you can get it with the book. And what I like about the book is that it asks you questions with Mm -hmm. every single card. It talks to you a little bit about the shadow aspect of that card and then some questions you can ask yourself. So if you're familiar with, if you're not familiar and you want to learn more about tarot, I think it's a good deck. But if you are familiar with it, I think it's a really good one to work, to do some shadow work with. I really enjoy it. I think it's a great, it's a great deck. So, you know, again, we were not told to, you know, to say that, but so there might yeah. be other things as well. And, you know, definitely let us know if you know of anybody else has done some sort of shadow work or, or, or something that can be yeah. used and why it was good. And we can also, you know, look into it and maybe talk about it here as well. Absolutely. This was, this was a, we talked about a lot today. We did. It was more than just shadow work, but I think it was all good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always more than just our topic whenever we get together <laughs> that's true is there anything we want to say to close out well we have some some events are coming back live yay and we'll be talking more about them but if you haven't gotten your tickets for the moon serpent and bone and you're in the lower hudson valley you probably want to do that because they are coming back live and i'm so excited they're going to have a lot of entertainers um, so, you know, check out Moon Serpent and Bone, get those tickets. They're time tickets, which I think is really important because people yeah. are still, I mean, let's face it, we're not out of this thing yet, but they're being super responsible. They have a whole instructions on like how people, what you should be expecting when you get there. So definitely like take a look, get those tickets. We're going to be there. Yes, we are. Floating around. So, you know, if you do go, you want to come up to us and say, hey. And um, I think that's it. But there are a lot more live stuff coming up. Yeah, and we'll definitely keep you updated both on the podcast and on our Instagram, which, of course, if you're not following us on Instagram, you should be. We post every single day, and we do a sit and spell every Sunday. It's at Co. Um, We'd love to see you there. You can hit us up in the DMs, respond to our stories, comment on our posts, um, just hang out because we love you and we want to interact with you. Absolutely. Thank you to Sean McShane for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.
Killer. <laughs>